Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Bi-Weekly Geopolitical Report for July 24, 2023. I'm Phil Adler. In its mid-year geopolitical outlook, Confluence recognizes China's youth unemployment and China's debt problem as two major issues for investors to keep tabs on in the months ahead. But there's one significant negative trend in China, which may be an underlying cause of many other problems the country faces and which could be beyond China's ability to solve. Confluence market strategist Patrick Farron-Hernandez joins us today to discuss the causes and the impact of China's collapsing population. Patrick, collapsing is a very strong description, almost apocalyptic. What do the numbers tell us? Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me on the show. And regarding your question, I agree that collapsing is an extraordinarily strong word, but I think it's apt for several reasons. First, the evidence suggests that China's population has started falling far earlier than expected, and that's a real surprise. In addition, if you consider how deeply the different analysts are adjusting downward their estimates of Chinese births and population counts, it suggests not only that the actual numbers right now are much lower than expected, but it also suggests that the country's population decline will accelerate sharply in the very near future. All that's in contrast with what we came to expect over the last couple of decades when we got used to thinking of China as this fast-growing, strengthening world power. Besides the shrinking population, how about the average age of the Chinese people? Is it also heading in the wrong direction? It certainly is. I don't go deeply into the average age in my article, but I can tell you here that China's median age has now jumped to 39 years, up from 35.1 years just a decade ago. Now, the median age is the age at which half the population is older and half the population is younger. China's median age isn't nearly as bad as Japan's 49.1 or Italy's 47.7, but it's comparable to Russia's 39.2, and it's well above the U.S. median age of 38.1. Nevertheless, China's median age is far above Mexico's 29.8 and India's 28.2. A high and rising median age means that China's younger workers will soon face a big burden in taking care of the elderly. It'll present China with growing fiscal challenges and potentially social tensions. China of course, famously had a one-child policy for more than three decades. Is this the major reason for these population trends? It is, but like many countries today, that's not the whole story. China's birth rate actually fell quite rapidly for many years between the founding of the People's Republic and the beginning of the one-child policy. For example, its birth rate and population dropped sharply because of famine and the disruptions of the Great Leap Forward. Now, it also looks like the one-child policy reinforced the cultural and economic disincentives against child-rearing that frequently take place when countries urbanize and grow richer. In fact, now that the one-child policy has been lifted, the government can't convince many people to have kids. They apparently got used to the idea of not having many or any kids under the one-child policy, and now they face further challenges like the cost of living and small housing units in the cities and big expenses for education and childcare. China, Patrick, also had a history of encouraging male children. How is this affecting today's numbers? 
Yeah, this is one aspect of China's demographics that doesn't get nearly enough attention. Because of the cultural preference for males and the easy availability of technologies that allow people to choose the sex of their children, fewer girls are born in China than boys. So now females only make up 49% of the country's population. Now that doesn't sound like it's too out of balance, but what that means is that for every 100 males, there's only 96.1 females. Females. And the problem's even worse among younger age groups. Among those aged 15 to 39, in other words, the prime childbearing years and the prime family formation years, there's only 88.8 females for every 100 males. That will necessarily hold down China's birth rate going forward and likely exacerbate social tensions. In America, we know people are waiting to get married and are having children at an older age. What is the state of marriage and childbearing today in China? That's one of the social trends taking place worldwide, and and China can't escape it. Even in China, more people are avoiding marriage and household formation, electing to go without having kids or delaying having kids. Many countries are trying to reverse those attitudes and trends, but they're not being very successful. So you probably have to expect that China won't be very successful at it either. Patrick, I wonder if uh, some of the earmarks of Chinese culture contribute in a major way to the overall problem. I'm thinking, for instance, of the highly selective and expensive education system that may discourage child rearing and the fact that men are pressured to own a home and a vehicle before even considering marriage. Yeah, that's one of those issues I mentioned earlier. The education situation in particular is such that there's a strong cultural push for achievement to the point where there's very strong demand for all kinds of tutoring and after-school programs and the like the parents are expected to enroll their kids in. And the government doesn't necessarily help out with these. An awful lot of this is on the parents' dime, or I guess I should say on their renminbi, coupled with other costly expectations such as the expensive home or homes, then you've got big disincentives for having kids in China. How has China, Patrick, been trying to fight this problem of a collapsing population? Well, besides just ending the childbirth limits, the central, provincial, and local governments are trying all sorts of things. In 2022, for example, Jiangsu became the first province to subsidize maternity leave for its women who have more than one child. In the city of Shenzhen, couples who have a third child or more will be getting an annual cash allowance worth almost $3,000 until the child turns three. And other cities are providing child care subsidies. So lots of policies are indeed being tried. Have these Chinese efforts been effective? I haven't seen any reporting that would suggest they're successful. Again, the social and economic disincentives to childbearing are just too strong right now. Patrick, would opening up the country to immigration be a solution that China is likely to employ? Well, you know, migration to China is another one of those topics that people don't talk about very much. The data show that over the last five years, net migration out of China has averaged more than 200,000 people per year. That's a big deficit to reverse, and we doubt that China can. Besides the government's increasing clampdown on civil liberties, slowing economic growth and high costs are likely to keep pushing people out of the country. Well, what are some of the significant impacts of a population decline like this? 
Well, the biggest is probably economic. As I show in my article, outright population decline will inevitably make it harder for the overall Chinese economy to grow. Demand will grow slower or even decline, and the market will likely shrink, making it harder for domestic companies to find economies of scale. Over time, China will likely also face labor shortages, just like many Western countries. And the result of that is likely to be accelerating wage costs and a rebound in inflation. How about military and social costs? Because of the accelerating drop in birth rates, the costs for China's military will be felt keenly. While China's overall population by the end of this decade is expected to be at least 0.7% smaller than at its peak in 2021, the military-aged population, in other words, those aged 16 to 49, is expected to be at least 4.9% smaller. Right now, China's military-aged population is shrinking by more than 600,000 per year. Now, the military will still be able to find recruits, but it'll have fewer top-notch soldiers, sailors, and airmen in the future. And then finally, you know, these demographic challenges are likely to worsen China's social tensions in various ways. For example, the fear of slowing growth has apparently discouraged Chinese companies from hiring, helping to boost youth unemployment to a record above 20%. And the worsening dearth of young females is likely to turn young males especially sour. Not only are they finding it hard to land a job, but they must now be facing brutal competition for eligibility bachelorettes. And on top of all that, China's rising average age will mean a worsening of its dependency ratio. In other words, every younger person will need to support more and more elderly citizens over time. That's not a recipe for social peace. Have you turned sour on China as an investment destination? You know, over the last couple of years, we've become increasingly hesitant about investing in Chinese companies. Part of this is simply the political risk as U.S.-China tensions grow. But on top of that, slowing economic growth, a worsening regulatory environment, and faltering demographics have really discouraged us. Patrick, for many years, sharp economic growth in China did encourage investments there. Are there other countries which may today be good alternative destinations for these dollars? We continue to think that there will be opportunities as international companies and investors de-risk and move their production and investing out of China. On balance, we think a lot of that production and investing will shift back to the U.S. or at least to countries that are friendlier to the U.S. We think India and Vietnam are interesting possibilities, and we're already seeing evidence of increased business in Mexico in spite of that country's unfriendly government at least unfriendly to economic growth. So yes, despite the growing challenges to investing in China, we do think there are growing opportunities elsewhere. Boom times in China were good news for the big American-based companies doing business there, and it appeared for the U.S. stock market in general. In light of China's problems, should we now be rethinking our U.S. stock investment strategy? We've been putting it like this. On any given day, there's simply too great a risk that the Chinese government, the U.S. government, or some other government will impose unexpected new restrictions on cross-border trade, investment, 
technology flows or migration. So there's a big political risk, even for companies that have long business ties with China. Add to that the prospects for slowing economic growth and a falling population. And we think people should exercise increased caution about investing in U.S. companies that are very reliant on China. Patrick, in my introduction, I did suggest that the population collapse in China has progressed to the point where it could be beyond the country's capacity to solve. Do you agree? Exactly. It already looks like China is way behind the curve in understanding and addressing its demographic problems. And like I mentioned, other countries facing poor demographics are also struggling to reverse the trend. It's just really tough to do it. I hate to sound pessimistic, but we think all the signs point to a further worsening in Chinese population trends with all the economic, military, and social challenges that that implies. Thank you, Patrick. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. Opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice, and this information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our audio engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler.